This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I don't know about you, but I don't think I have ever really spoke with somebody who planned a wedding and said it was just the most streamlined, perfect process I've ever been through. There's a bit of chaos embedded in weddings, and with that chaos comes some huge costs. So many costs that are just ridiculous amounts, and sometimes to each their own, if you spend a lot of money on your wedding and you cash flow and you don't take out debt, you do you. However, I see a lot of people that take out a lot of debt for this one day because we are sold this almost myth that it has to be the most perfect day of your life. And I think it's a very special day. I think it's a very special moment. But I think that pressure really adds to a really big increase of costs. So we're talking about weddings today because that's one of those things that is such a huge part of your financial life, at least as a couple, when you first get together and you combine your lives. You're combining all these lives. And sometimes it can come with a lot of that that financial implication too. So that's why I was so excited to chat with Heather Fear today on the podcast about wedding planning and having that cost conversation early and often so that you're not so stressed out about the financial planning process. Before we dive into Heather and all of her awesomeness, I want to share today's money win. This money win I am especially excited about because it's from Matthew, who's been a longtime supporter of the podcast and in the Facebook group and has just been such a rock star from day one. So Matthew's Money Win says, hey, everyone, I just wanted to share some big news with you. I made my last car payment. I'm now officially debt free. Hashtag Money Win. Matthew, you are such a rock star. I'm so excited. I'm definitely popping champagne for you. I know how hard you work for your financial life. And I'm so, so proud of you for getting to that point. That is incredibly exciting, and I hope that you feel differently when you drive that car. It's amazing. When you pay off a car, they drive very differently. It's it's suddenly, it's just a different way of living. I don't know what to say, guys. If you've paid off your car, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, and don't forget, if you want to hang out with Matthew, myself, and other money nerds, then you need to be in the private Facebook group, Manage Your Money Like a Boss. That's where I hang out most of the time, and you can ask questions. You can get support. It's one of the kindest financial groups I've ever been in. I really do mean that. People are very nice in there. And if you're not nice, you don't belong and I'll kick your butt out because I I mean, we're all just trying to do a little bit better. So there's no need for the negativity. And that is such a supportive group that I think you will love it. 
All right. Are you guys ready to start talking about weddings? So Heather Fear is a really true rock star. She's really got a knack for organization and planning. And for more than 15 years, she led the growth of Natural Selection Promotions, which was a natural food event marketing company. And she took that to a national scale. She oversaw the planning of more than 100,000 successful in-store special events for clients and even their store chains. Her knack for planning events was noticed by friends and family. So this is how businesses happen a lot of times. People notice what you're good at. And she started a side business as a wedding planner. In 2018 is when she finally took this business further and she left her leadership role at NSP to follow her passion, which was helping couples plan weddings without jeopardizing their financial stability. She's got a book out called Wedding Hacker, a budget-minded planning book. It was released in about 2019, early 2019. She's been very busy launching the Wedding Hacker Planning Club, which aims to provide affordable wedding planning guidance and support to couples who thought that wedding planning was maybe a little bit out of their reach or maybe they couldn't afford it. When Heather isn't working on her business, she enjoys spending time outdoors with her family and giving back to her community. In this episode, we talk about a lot of different aspects of wedding planning, specifically the wedding cost data. So we're always told there's an average wedding cost data. And we talk a little bit about why that data can be flawed and how sometimes the wedding industries will increase that that number in order to help increase spending expectations. See the problem there? It's kind of interesting. So we talk about that. We talk about how Heather helps educate couples on saving money, but still getting their dream wedding. What wedding tax means. We hear this all the time, and that was really eye-opening for me. We talk about a basic timeline for preparation for weddings, factors to consider when you're planning for food and drinks and decorations, and how to even save money on your photographer without sacrificing the quality. One of my favorite parts about this whole conversation was she shares some really amazing unique ideas to help your wedding showcase you and your partner and what's most important to you guys in the best light. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm not planning a wedding at the exact moment, but I'm not married. So I'm definitely thinking about this stuff. So it was really interesting to hear this different perspective. And I really appreciated that budget mindedness when it comes to planning a wedding. If you guys are interested as well, Heather is currently running a wedding hacker expo. It's an online summit or virtual expo, so to speak, where you can just join in, you can learn about different topics, and you can even learn about a topic I'm talking on. So I'm talking about how to have more meaningful money conversations with your partner. So if you want to join in, highly, highly recommend you save your seat. It's free. It's amazing. And there's even a giveaway for a killer prize package worth over $5,000. If you want to get your seat, go to WhitneyHanson.com slash Wedding Hacker Expo. And that's going to save your seat. WhitneyHanson.com slash Wedding Hacker Expo. You're going to love it. It's also linked in the show notes. I am so excited to introduce you to Heather Fear from the WeddingHacker.com. Hey, if hire great people is on your company's goal, you need a plan to make sure that happens fast. Find the right person fast with Indeed Instant Match. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even the interviewing. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate you'll find. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored 
job. Indeed Instant Match immediately delivers quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description. You can even invite them to apply right away. And according to Indeed data, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who see it in a search alone. Plus with Instant Match, Indeed's data shows 90% of employers get quality candidates from Indeed's resume database as soon as they sponsor a job post. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions do apply. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by one of my new friends, Heather Fear from theweddinghacker.com. Heather, this is such a timely episode because it seems like everybody and their dog are getting married these days. So <laughs> we are in the midst of wedding season. <laughs> yes, we are. And I'm so excited to be here and share some guidance that's going to help people save some money on their weddings that they're planning for 2020 or beyond. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about we we're before we officially pushed record, we were talking about average weddings and you, you mentioned a number. How much does the average wedding cost these days? Well, that depends who you ask. If you look at the big wedding industrial complex, um, that marketing machine, they're going to tell you it costs about $34,000 to plan a wedding here in the U.S., um, to me, that number is pretty overinflated, and that is to encourage people to spend more money. Um, the folks who I work with in my circles average about $15,000. Oh, my God. So like half. Yes. So it's a huge difference. And I think setting that number so high as the industry does, it encourages people to spend more because they see this big number. And if they're only spending 25000 they feel like they saved the day. You know, they got a great deal. Okay. Whereas... If they're, you know, spending 15000 they're kind of shy about it and don't want to talk about it because they feel a little embarrassed since it seems so small in comparison with d this huge inflated number. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so, so true. How do you help couples? Like, w tell us a little bit about the day-to-day -day of your job currently. What are you doing? Sure. Yeah. So we're at a really exciting time. We um, are building out our blog and just putting a ton of information there because I believe couples on any budget – you know, even the folks who are just spending a few thousand dollars, we'd love to give them advice to help them save incrementally on what they're doing. The clients we generally work with are between 10 to 20,000 as their price point, and we help them save big um, by guiding them to sources that leverage technology. That's one huge thing that we help folks do. We also help them find venues and vendors that are outside of that general wedding industry bubble. Um, and because of that, they save by avoiding the wedding tax. Oh, I didn't realize this was a thing. Talk to us about that. What is the wedding tax? Okay. Well, the wedding tax really, in my eyes, is all tied to this marketing machine. Um, the big major sites, which I don't even have to name because it's going to be the one you think of if you think of what website does <laughs> wedding stuff, yep. that website, um, they put a lot of info out there, like I said, that overinflates the price. Um, but they also are a media company. So they are not there to advise people on how to save or get a good deal. They are there to sell advertising. Mm. So that's why they're overinflating this price, because ultimately that makes more money for their customers 
customers, which means they have more money to put into marketing. But the problem is the customers are paying for that marketing. So when you go and hire someone through one of those major sites, you're going to be paying a steep tax on top of what the actual costs are for that vendor because they had to pay a huge amount of money to market to you. Mm. Gotcha. So we don't even understand that that's there because it's just embedded in the price point, right? Exactly. So the vendors we find um, by searching outside of all of that are thousands less. And uh, couples are always kind of freaked out because they're like, well, are you telling me this person's just as good? Uh, why are they so affordable? And I'm like, because they didn't have to spend, you know, ten or $20,000 on advertising this year. And these small vendors are solopreneurs. So a ten dollars or $20,000 spend on a certain, you know, a few key websites to advertise is a big hit for them and adds at least a thousand or two thousand bucks to every single client that comes through the door. That's so nutso. Man. Okay, so I'm not married. Are you married? I am. I've been married for almost 10 years. Okay, so I'm not to that process. So I haven't officially planned a wedding or anything like that. I've been engaged for seven years. That's like a total another topic. Okay. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, so I don't know all of the costs that go into a wedding from personal experience. So can you just walk us through what are some of the common costs that people need to be thinking about when it comes to weddings? Okay, for sure. Um, where people always need to start when planning a wedding is deciding on their budget, which I was saying to you before we started recording that people always ask me, what what do I need to spend? What's the average to spend? And it really has nothing to do with that. If you're planning a wedding from the budget-minded approach, you need to first look at your finances and figure out what can I spend? Mm. So that's the first step. Once you have that, you can find vendors who suit any budget. Um, you may be going with something more like a street taco guy in your backyard, you know, and going Heck really yeah. casual. That'd you can find fun. people at yeah, no, I mean, you can have an amazing wedding that's right on that pace and you can have, you know, a giant ballroom and go really high end with some filet mignon, whatever you want. But um, your main central costs on a wedding are going to be that venue. So the space you're actually holding the wedding in, um, the ceremony and reception, as well as the food and the beverages. Those are a big chunk. And then you're going to have those other vendors, which in recent years with Instagram and Pinterest, you know, people have gone crazy on the decorations and those little details because with all the focus on photography, um, they're really the center of attention in some of these platforms. Um, and those items really aren't taking as big of a percentage of your budget or in general shouldn't take as big of a percentage of your budget because ultimately what people remember from your wedding is the experience of it. And that experience is going to be heavily influenced by the food, the drinks, and a nice comfortable venue as well as a smooth flowing day. I see Say that's kind of the little extra, like in food, unami, you know, it adds that extra special specialness to it where the day flows smoothly. People aren't feeling rushed. People aren't feeling like things are moving too slow. You want to keep it at a nice pace. And that's a lot of what we help our, um, our folks with as well. I, I love the emphasis on that smooth flowing day because it's, I've been to some weddings where it was not going so smooth and you can tell they were skimping on every area in their budget and they should have hired a wedding planner. Like that should have been the one thing that they actually spent the money on because it was just yeah. all just a cluster and we it can feel on that. that. Oh yeah. And that's the thing people 
who are so focused on making everything look perfect, sometimes they don't think that if your cu- or your customers, <laughs> your guests are sitting there feeling uncomfortable, like physically over overheating, too cold, you have them waiting in a room for three hours for you to be done with photos, like these sort of things, you get people in a kind of grumpy state, mm-hmm. that's not going to help them enjoy your day and have the beautiful image of it and memory of it that you want. So that's kind of the the crucial thing to make it a fun experience for them and prioritizing that. Now, when you say the venue, do you include is like the DJ and the music? Is that separate than the venue in your eyes? Or do you combine those two from a budget perspective? Um, They can be one. Generally, they are not. But you can find venues that have um, AV audio video audio visual equipment on hand. And for those folks on a really tight budget, if you can get your hands on that equipment for free and hook up, you know, your iPhone and play some music and you want to play DJ or have your cousin who, you know, is really great with a crowd be up there and be the MC, you could totally do it that way. But generally, if you wanted a professional DJ, um, that would be supplemental in most cases. Gotcha. Okay. So what are some of the additional supplemental costs that you're seeing now? I mean, you've been in the business for quite some time. How is it evolving? What was the big cost maybe 10 years ago? And what's the, the newer cost today? Um, The big costs are generally the same, but where we're seeing things change is the trend is that couples are inviting less people to their wedding and they're spending more per person. So there are a lot of little bonuses to add to the experience, like a photo booth, or I've seen people advertising locally in Southern California for a s'mores bar. So instead of a cake, people are bringing in like fire pits and having all this s'more stuff out to make s'mores, which is awesome. But when I looked at the price, I'm like, okay, this is like the cost of two professionally made cakes. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. So this isn't necessarily budget friendly. It's very cool and definitely gives your guests a cool experience. But um, some of those things you can recreate on your own and DIY it um, if you get the right venue, particularly something like the s'more bar or the photo booth. Both of those are are very good DIY options. Mm. So um, there are ways couples can still have those fun, little, quirky, unique um, bonus experiences for their guests without spending a ton more. Gotcha. That is so good. Okay, so let's say we're starting from scratch. So somebody's looking at mm-hmm. getting married next year at some point next yeah. summer. What what kinds of things like give us the timeline? What should we be doing at what time if we want to mm-hmm. be on track and have the best venue possible? Okay, so there are a couple different ways to approach this. But the first thing you're going to have to do is get your budget clear, clear, you know, figure out what you can afford to spend, what you have saved now that you can reasonably put aside for this, and then how much per month you can set aside. I recommend people set up a separate high yield savings account for their wedding fund. And I do recommend that they do a little credit card hacking while they're going through this because you're going to be spending money really fast at points when you're paying deposits. So getting all those financial tools lined up that way you can optimize every dollar you spend is really awesome. Um, and then you want to go out and you're going to want to search for the venue. Folks often think that they pick the wedding date first. Um, I really advise to pick a, a range, maybe like I want a fall wedding, you know, and not be super specific because you then go in to the venues that you see and have a lot more negotiating power when you're not 
set on October 12th, you're saying, I would like to be in late September through November. You can find the dates that the venue wouldn't um, assume are going to be booked. That's, that's really the big factor. And also the timing of when you book all this. If you go in and start to book a venue maybe 18 months or a year in advance, the venues are pretty confident that someone else will also want a wedding on that date. <laughs> so they may not be too willing to negotiate where really, if you start booking your stuff later, which I never encourage just to like procrastinate until a scary point, but if you do and you're in that boat, you're actually in a good negotiating position because they might assume that that date's just not going to get full filled at all. And then they're willing to work with you. Um, but no matter the timing, I recommend searching for these venues outside of the wedding industry. And that's kind of a challenge for most people. They don't know where to look. Um, and there are really some amazing resources with the peer to peer technology that's out there now. Um, sites like peer space and event up, uh, you can find venues that are really cool, really unique, like art galleries, um, huge warehouses that are, you know, at some startup, but they have like some cool open space that you wouldn't think of as a wedding venue, but really it works perfectly and is super affordable because it's not that business's main income source. So they're not gouging you on the price. Oh, that's so killer. So Pure Space and Event mm-hmm. Up are two of the resources. When you call to make the reservations, I have I mean, I've heard that because it's a wedding, they can typically charge mm-hmm. more or that oh, can yeah. happen. So do you not even mention it's for a wedding? Do you just say it's for a big party or how do you get around I that? Mean, you can do that. And depending on the situation, you might be able to get away with it. Now you're having a wedding with 350 people. You can't lie and say that's not a wedding. It's going to (laughs) be very obviously a wedding, but if you're having, you know, 50 people and you're just wanting to have a cocktail reception with belly bars, no formal seating and tray past appetizers and drinks, you could very much pass us that off as a different event for the venue. And for the vendors, the reason that wedding surcharge happens is because of the extra pressure to run that sort of event, as well as those extra marketing costs. So if you connect with these locations and you did not find them in that web of marketing and you found them in a different source where you know they're not paying those upcharges themselves, you're going to get a better deal. And you're also, you know, going to potentially be able to negotiate some savings for, um, the fine print stuff, because that's where you find a lot of the surcharges when you're booking a venue is that fine print is like a landmine of really expensive surcharges. Are they negotiable charges? They can be. And a lot of people don't think to negotiate. That's another huge problem. You know, America, we're kind of trained, hey, this is the price they listed. That must be the price. But often it is negotiable. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is helpful. So we got the venue under wraps. At what point would you start to look into food? Do you taste test it? Do you just go off recommendations? What's the process for getting food in order? Well, I'd say one of the bigger things is to lock in a venue that in that fine print doesn't nail you down to one caterer. Ah, yes. If it does that, you're kind of, you're kind of in a bad position negotiation wise, because that caterer now knows you have no option. So they're not going to be very flexible where if you find a venue that has, you know, flexibility on that, you can bring in anyone you want. You have enormous variety of options available to you. Um, and what I recommend couples do instead of just looking up wedding caterer on Google is <laughs> that they, 
think of what they like. Like, where did they go on their first date? Where's their favorite local restaurant? Do they love Italian food? Do they love Cuban food? Like whatever sort of local things are your favorites, try to incorporate that. Because if you go into your favorite restaurant, you, you eat at a few times a month and you tell them you love for them to cater your wedding, you're going to get that good guy discount and you're not going to be looked at as just like an opportunity for a wedding. It's, it's kind of a little more personal and it's special for your guests. If you have that fun story to share with them. That's such a great idea. I like the first date. So that that's super cute. That would be very meaningful, very impactful and make mm-hmm. a impression on everybody too. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah. And, and it's in, going to be way, way more affordable. Plus if you are working with a restaurant that maybe doesn't traditionally cater weddings, the issue may be that they don't have, you know, plates and the tabletop items that you would need to serve the food. But the thing is you can always rent that separately and you can always get additional servers, um, through other resources like TaskRabbit and things like that. You can actually bring in a few people to help keep things clean, help serve the food. And you don't really need to do this all in one through one company where they're tacking on like a big service fee and all of those things. That is such a, I'm, I'm learning so much already. I think this is such <laughs> a good conversation. The next piece that I, I can see would be quite expensive would be when you're deciding open bar or paid mm-hmm. drinks. Do you have any yeah. suggestions there? Again, back to the venue, you're going to want to find a venue that allows you to BYOB. Now, not in the context that you just like tell all your friends, hey, everybody just hide flasks in your pocket. <laughs> right. or something like that. I mean, I guess you could do that, but it would get a little crazy. Um, more on the page that you're going to be able to source your own licensed bartender to be there. And you're going to be able to go out, hit a great sale at BevMo or Costco buy things in bulk and bring them there to be served. Because when you have a venue that includes the, you know, beverage options in it, generally they charge you by hour for an open bar. So if you think of, you know, the hundred guests you're having at your wedding, there are going to be a percentage that don't drink at all. There are going to be some pregnant folks at the wedding. There are going to be kids, but they don't care. They charge you that $29 an hour for every person as if they're all going to be drinking. And I mean, that's probably a mid-range price point yeah. for an open bar. And I, I personally couldn't drink $29 worth of alcohol an hour. So I, I, I don't think that's ever really a super awesome investment. It's better if you can find that flexibility, stock the bar really well, maybe consider just going with wine and beer and a few signature cocktails instead of trying to cover every single alcohol. And, um, you know, you can save yourself a lot with just that plan. That is such a good idea. So you would basically just have a table set up a little section of the room Mm -hmm. where it's all open bar, but they serve themselves. It's not somebody sitting there pouring a glass of wine. Is that that what you're talking about? Well, it could be depending on the venue. Most venues are going to want you to have a licensed bartender, but if you can hire the bartender yourself and then you can BYOB as in you as the host have purchased it all and have that bartender serve it, um, your cost per drink is going to be way, way less. Gotcha. Okay, here I am thinking I can like totally hack this. I'm like, here, just go I grab mean, a beer. <laughs> I have been at weddings that do that, and but I don't know that that's totally legal. So I can't oh. <laughs> say that you <laughs> totally can get fair. away with it. Well, damn. Like, can, can do it, but should you, is it legal? No, not that makes sense. <laughs> this is why we hire people to tell us what to do, right? <laughs> yeah, be like, definitely get the wedding liability insurance if you're going with that plan. <laughs> I know yeah. my wedding would be so illegal. I can already tell. <laughs> it won't because I'm actually going to use a wedding planner, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah we'd make sure you, you're covered. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. When you have a business, it's a different level of responsibility. <laughs> well, you don't want to get yourself in trouble. No, definitely not. Okay, so that covers a couple of the bigger pieces. And then things like decorations. I know that seems like a small piece, but I, I feel like that's the piece that really adds up quite a bit. Do you have any tips on saving money for the decorative piece? Sure. There is just an open-ended expanse that you could spend on decorations. Some yeah. people get the really, really nice high-end rental companies to come in and they set up like gorgeous furniture and kind of these cool vibe lounge, you know, corners and stuff. All that is extremely expensive. So I know a lot of the couples we work with, if they're having an event locally, will find that furniture and actually just bring it there themselves. So that's one option because you can actually resell that stuff afterwards and recoup your costs. Um, particularly if you're buying like vintagey, you know, stuff, cause yeah. you're buying, you sell it used, it's not going to lose any value. Um, but as far as flowers and all of that, um, there are a couple awesome resources I recommend. One is called Bloomerent. They are a website that helps connect two couples who have weddings in the same area, um, over the same weekend. So if there was a wedding on Friday and then a wedding on Saturday, they would, have the flowers shared between the two weddings because really, really well done professional florals can last up to a week and look beautiful. Whoa. So instead of paying for them all yourself, you basically work together, you team up, there's a professional florist that's freshening the fl florals up in between and delivering them to the two sites and basically a lot less waste and it's a lot more affordable. That's a killer tip. I love that. I didn't know that was a thing. Bloomer yeah. rent. Yeah. And they have a $50 off thing with wedding hacker, the promo code. So let's check that out. But I don't know out in your area in Idaho. I don't know if they're out there. They're very Northeastern based. Oh, okay. um, but for those in other areas that don't have a bloomerant florist near you, um, I do recommend Costco and Sam's club shockingly, which you wouldn't think they'd be really great for florals. They are awesome. And, um, they ship them right to you and they have a giant variety of options. They actually can fully make bouquets and everything like wow. perfectly done and you don't even have to DIY it. But if you're open to doing that, it's even more affordable. Oh, I love this. Okay. So let's say we've got those pieces in order. We haven't talked about photographers yet. And I think, feel like that's such a stressful piece. How do you, how do you recommend people go about picking a photographer? Well, the photographers are tricky because there's so many styles of photography. So you kind of have to take that into account first, um, as well as your budget. But one way to maximize what you're getting from a photographer, there is, of course, the approach of not telling them it's a wedding and having them show up and be a little perturbed Ooh, at you. Yeah. You probably don't want to do that. Um, but what I would say is a good way to negotiate is to ask them to be there for minimal hours on your wedding day. Cause folks right now generally hire photographers for 10 to 12 hours on their wedding day. Oh, those whoa. are the packages. Yeah. Those are the packages these photographers offer because they're basically there from the moment you get up and start getting ready till the end of the reception. And that is totally unnecessary. You can have a photographer there for about four hours. And if you plan your wedding 
very well and actually have it organized the, the schedule, you can have them there, you know, an hour before the ceremony, through the ceremony, and about an hour and a half into the reception. And you will be able to get all those main highlights. You can cram the cake cutting in there. You can do the first dance, you know, get all those key moments in the reception ceremony, family photos. And then if you want to do an extensive couples photo session, which, you know, people love those portraits. And those are really the ones that you hang up in your house for years and years. Um, do that another day. It's way more affordable to get re glammed up, do your hair again, your makeup again, and get dressed up the next weekend and just do more photos with just you and your, your spouse. And you can go and have like a four hour photo shoot for the price of like an hour on the wedding day, because that, um, that cost on the wedding day is going to be exponentially more expensive than just doing a photo shoot on any other day of the year. That is such a killer tip. That alone saves thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. You can. And, and what I also recommend on that is that those wedding day ceremony, ceremony photos, those aren't the ones you really display. Like True. people always are very worried about that and sometimes upset if they're not perfect. And if that's a high priority for you, obviously, like hire someone you trust. But if you're someone who's like, I want these memories, but I'm realistic that they're going to go in a scrapbook and I'm going to look at them maybe once a year. Yeah which is kind of my, my speed on this, then I would get someone really affordable for your wedding day and get the really high end photographer for the shorter period on an off day where maybe they're costing, you know, three or 400 bucks for this awesome half day photo shoot. You can even do the, um, the whole type of thing where you like jump in the ocean in your wedding dress, you know, it's like really dramatic photos after you're done. And, um, it can be a really whole fun thing. Okay, you mentioned the wedding dress, so now I have to go there. Mm -hmm. Do you have any good resources for finding a, a pretty reasonably priced wedding dress? Oh my gosh, I have a ton. We actually just had a blog post about a week ago on 19 resources for amazing wedding dresses on a budget. Oh, whoa, so, we're going to link that in the show notes. Yeah, that's awesome. Check that out, you guys. It is awesome. And a lot of those resources, I will tell you, are pre-loved dresses. Mm -hmm. They are dresses that people have worn either at sample sales to try on at stores or for a wedding. So the bonus for buying a pre-loved dress is that they're somewhere around 70 to 90% off most of the time. So that savings is absolutely worth it to me and most of the couples I work with because the reality is when you buy a brand new dress, you don't really get to try that dress on normally at a bridal shop. You go in, they have the sample dresses. Sure. So that might not be your size. So they're going to pin it. They're going to measure it, see how much they need to alter, do their estimate of which size you'd be. And then they place an order for it. And then several months later, it will arrive to the shop and you go pick it up. So you don't actually try on the dress when you go shopping for a new dress. Hmm. But this way, if you go to one of these used stores, you can actually try on the real dress and find one that fits you perfectly. And that has the bonus effect of saving you on alterations, which can oftentimes cost you almost as much as the dress. Seriously. So you want to save on that. That's I love this. This is such good tips. Okay, I'm I could easily geek out on this. Clearly, I have not planned a wedding because I'm like, what? All of these things are so cool. Well, um, no, it's it's really like none of these things are really marketed because there's not uh, a benefit to this community to do that. And in your normal wedding planner, which only about 
30% of couples can afford a wedding planner, they aren't angling to save you money. They only work with the more high-end clients. So they're just going to introduce you to the vendors locally that they know and trust, um, or sometimes that will pay them referral fees, sadly. Um, So what we're doing with the Wedding Hacker program is so different because we really angle to be budget-minded first. So when someone comes to us and tells us, we want to spend 14000 I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And so every step of the way, we're going to look at your options and look at what your budget's allowing for and make sure you're staying on the right path. Oh, thank God for that. That is so because I can see it being a lot like house shopping, where it's like you, you go in with a budget in mind, but your agent is paid based mm-hmm. on the total purchase price. So for them, they're like, yeah, that's great. You should you should definitely look into this house, too. Whereas yeah, you, you can go bigger. It's right, fine. right. Exactly. But with the wedding stuff, I could see that being mm-hmm. exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. And the other really nice thing with what we do is that we surround these couples with other like minded couples, because, you know, just like with your income, that it tends to land in the range of the five people around you Mm -hmm. who you see the most. It's the same thing with spending on your wedding. If all of your friends are spending big and making you kind of feel pressure to do that, you'll kind of match pace where we create this little bubble that you're working with in this group um, on our calls and everything with all these other awesome couples who are also really budget minded. They're trying to save to buy a house. They're Mm -hmm. making sure they're keeping everything lined up and it just helps everybody do better. It's it's, it's like amazing. It's a wedding mastermind. I love this. It is, yeah. This is so cool. Okay, so walk me through, Say hypothetically, let's say like tomorrow I decide I'm going to get married in a year. I'm going to hire Heather and mm-hmm. I'm going to go through this process. So mm-hmm. uh, paint me the picture. How does it work? How does working with you actually, how is it structured? Okay, you just sign up on our website. That'll get you access to our Wedding Hacker course which is a program you follow. And that's all timed out just how you were asking, you know, what do you do a year before and nine months before all the way through. And what's really nice is it allows you to put your blinders on. So you're not looking at, you know, what centerpieces do I need on the first day? Because that's not the step you're at. So we keep people focused where they need to be. And in each step, we're giving you resources all over the place to help you maximize your spending. Um, and then what's really nice is every month we have a big group call with all of the couples who are planning and we discuss any issues that come up because it's drama city sometimes when you're planning a wedding. <laughs> Everybody seemed really cool and happy when you got engaged and then you start planning and like your mother and your future mother-in-law goes crazy, like your sister's <laughs> upset, your best friend like isn't talking to you. And so we have this opportunity to connect on that, support each other, also support everyone in finding the right resources and, and making decisions that are really working for them. And then in addition to that, they have unlimited email access to our team who will support them through reviewing content contracts, reading through the fine print, making sure they're not getting themselves into a bad situation, because that's really the biggest benefit of working with a professional planner is that they know where things can go wrong. So as we hit those points, we check in with you, we read through what you're signing before you sign it, and make sure that we negotiate the right deals for you. And just hold each other accountable the whole time, too. That's huge. Does this work the same way for people that want to elope or do a destination wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Planning a destination wedding is not necessarily easier than a normal wedding. I feel like that's one of those things that people think, I'm going to just go to Hawaii and it's going to be simpler. And you'd be surprised how many people will follow you to Hawaii. So you may have thought you'd get away (laughs) with 
you and five people, but suddenly it's you and 60 people. And it's almost just as difficult, if not more, because you're, you're doing it from afar. And so then you're even more reliant kind of on this wedding industry (laughs) website hub that um, may be leading you on to some, you know, to some paths that are more expensive. So we definitely can help people with that. Um, And then as far as eloping, that's kind of a whole different model uh, because really an elopement traditionally was something done in secret. Now, when people refer to elopements, they're often referring to what's called a micro wedding, just like a really small wedding where maybe you have just your immediate family there and do like an awesome dinner after or what another option is a pop-up wedding where it's kind of a surprise that you go to a park and invite all your friends to be there at a certain time and surprise, we have an officiant here, we're doing a wedding and then taking you all to dinner after. Oh my God, that's so fun. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool options. Actually, we had one couple recently who, at their engagement party, they decided they were just going to have the officiant there and then, who, you know, go, hey, this Aww. is actually getting right now. Surprise, we took all the pressure off of everything by not warning <laughs> you all. So it's really fun, the things that can open up once you start looking at these creative possibilities. And, you know, it's really great for making fun memories for all your guests because it's pretty unforgettable when you, you know, didn't know you were going to a wedding and suddenly you're at a wedding. You're like, I didn't do my hair. (laughs) That would be me. But I mean, it's just so fun. And, you know, um, it fits the couple too. So if it's a spontaneous couple who just loves the excitement, that's perfect for them. That's so cool. I love this. I have had such a dang good time. I know I could easily chat with you for at least another hour. But for everybody's time's sake, we're going to officially start wrapping up. So you mentioned that you've got a really killer resource that you'd like to give to listeners. Can you share a little bit about that resource? Yeah. So earlier this year, I released my first book. It's called The Wedding Hacker, a budget-minded planning playbook. And it covers some of the basics of how I would recommend people plan a wedding on a budget. And I'd love to share that with your audience for free. I love that. So for them to get their hands on it, it's theweddinghacker.com slash playbook. Is that correct? And that'll get you guys a digital copy of the book. You can download, um, use that for reference. And hopefully it helps you all save thousands on your weddings just right there. And of course, if you need more help and accountability and all that, we can do that too for you. I love it. Heather, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Okay, hopefully I'm ready for them. <laughs> I, this is more fun for me, I swear, because every time people, they're like, oh, God, I'm on the spot. What is this? I hope these aren't hard questions. No, they're, go not, ahead. they're not. They're definitely not. Okay, what is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Oh, okay. Well, one purchase, it's not just one purchase, but one big shift in purchasing, I'd say, is using Instacart. My husband had been telling me for months, I've heard really good things about Instacart. You need to get on there and do our groceries on there. And I finally made that switch. And now I am all about it. It's so convenient and saves me so much time. Oh, it's the best. We switched to that this year too and have not looked back. Yeah, I think it tracks how many hours you saved and it says I've saved almost 100 hours. And I'm like, I believe it because I used to live in grocery stores, it felt like. (laughs) Right. I know. I I totally agree. Okay, next question for you. I personally am very obsessed with people's morning routines. So tell us, what is your current morning routine? Well, I'm very fortunate that I work for myself because I'm not super morning person. So I just wake up when I wake up, which is generally like around seven to seven thirty. So not like super late, but I just don't, I don't do alarms. I like to 
to ease into my day. And then my husband also works for himself. So he's around the house and we have an awesome espresso machine at our house. We're so spoiled and just make ourselves a really nice latte in the morning. And then we try to get outside in the morning, but it's been kind of surprisingly rainy in San Diego. So we haven't been doing that um, before we jump into our workload for the day. Love. And then what time do you typically wrap up the day? Um, for work, it can vary, but normally I go to bed around 11 to midnight, but I'm trying to get that earlier so I can make sure I get enough sleep. Cause sometimes it slips after midnight and I'm like, Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> I know. I totally understand. I get a little bit loopy after 9 PM. <laughs> yeah, it can happen. <laughs> uh huh. It does. Okay. So next question for you, where is one location that you're dying to travel to? I really want to go back to Greece. I went there when I was in college. I studied abroad there because I had the very practical major of classics as my major. (laughs) So I I studied abroad in Athens and learned ancient Greek. Don't use any of it, but very fun. And I really want to go there to take my husband or um, also my family. They want to go and have me tour them around since I'm kind of an expert on all the antiquities. Oh, my God. And eat all the Lucamades. Oh, yeah. Where I mean, just really all the different sites there. And I'd love to go um, out to the islands. I mean, the Greek islands are amazing. Oh, that's so cool. That's a fun one. Okay, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? I think the accountability factor that we've mentioned with the wedding planning is also huge in your financial success because I know my husband and I are not natural savers. So we have to keep each other accountable, which sometimes is a little bit of a cherry bomb to throw in your marriage when you're like, what are you doing on this? (laughs) Did you spend this money? But we have to remind each other it's, it's for our, you know, wellness, our financial wellness together. Um, and then, Hopefully, I think we're going to be bringing in, you know, an expert to help keep us on track. But we're, we've been doing good keeping each other accountable and also just automating. We try to make that savings happen without us even noticing because, you know, then it happens. It's, it's <laughs> magical, right? Magic. <laughs> it really is. That's awesome. That was a really good way to end. I appreciate your time. And I truly have had a pleasure getting to know you and learning a little bit more about your tips. Thank you for having me here. And it's so great to be a part of your show. It's a wonderful show. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll chat soon. All right. Take care. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode. The part that I thought was so interesting was just the awareness around questioning data, where that data is coming from, who's putting that data out, and what does that ultimately mean? Because if you don't question that and you just immediately buy into the average wedding is, say, I don't know, $35,000 per year, then that's what your expectation is. So you're going to get not maybe 235 grand, but you'll get a little bit higher than you initially expected because you're seeing that the average wedding is a lot more expensive. So I really appreciated that mantra or that mindset of like, just question everything. I thought that was so smart. And I think that was a very common theme throughout this entire episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, then do me the biggest favor and share it with somebody that you know, who's planning a wedding or thinking of planning a wedding. So important that they get these tips before they go down into that rabbit hole of weddings and look back later and wish they wouldn't have spent as much. So, so critical. So send this to somebody that you care about and then screenshot it and tag me on Instagram. Let me know what part of this episode did you resonate with? 
it. And tell me, what were some of your favorite wedding planning hacks? What did you do to make your special day a little bit more affordable? I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to tune in on Friday for Five Tip Friday. All right, guys, that is it for today. I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.